welcome to Grace Life Church Podcast. If you would like any more information about us, please visit our website, gracelife.com.au. It's a pleasure to be able to start a new series with you called Coming Soon, if you didn't pick up on that. And that's all things to do with what will happen when we die. What will the future look like? Is Jesus really coming back? And what do we do about that? What do we do about that? It's, uh, these series actually are incredibly important to us. Not, and I need to say this from the outset. It's not just to hypothesize and speculate and theorize and come up with our doctrines. It's supposed to do something in us. Otherwise, it's just information and we become fat with knowledge. And so when Jesus, who is the ultimate authority, talks about matters of the future, he doesn't just to tell us about the future, he does it to provoke something within us. And so throughout this month, over the coming weeks, we're going to discuss a number of these things. And I want you to keep asking, God, what do I do with this? How does, does that change anything in me? And let's see God's heart in the middle of it. Can we pray? Father, we thank you for the ministry of your spirit. May we see and love Jesus more and more as a result. And all the people said, Amen. Amen. All right, let's pull out our Bibles. And we're going to start. You put your finger in Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24. Now, there's actually going to be quite a few scriptures I'm going to read through today. I've cut down some of my illustrations, and um, there is so much conjecture and talk about what's going to happen in the future, what the future will look like. There are swaying doctrines. There are key biblical teachers that are just, they seem to be moving the goalposts from what they once thought, which appears to be away from what the Bible actually says. But that's why it's important for us to understand if anyone has an authority, if, if there's anyone that, that is to be an authority on things of the future, it should be him. It should be God. So we go to what did God say? Hello? What did God actually say? And, and when we converse about things like Jesus' return or what happens when we die, we should put our emotions and feelings on the shelf and not look at what do we want to believe or what makes us comfortable, but look at well, what should we believe because God says it. Can we establish that nice and early? Are we friends so far? We're not friends yet. Okay, Matthew chapter 24. I'm going to read, this is Matthew 24 and 25. We're going, to, we're going to touch more on Matthew 25 next Sunday. Next Sunday, I'll be talking about the four-letter word, hell. Make sure you bring your friends to that one. That'll be fun. <laughs> and so Matthew 25, we'll pick up a little bit on that over the next two Sundays. But Matthew 24, there is... Jesus talking about what is to come. What will the future look like? So let's pay attention here. Matthew chapter 
24. I'm going to read just from verse 4 to 14, perhaps in your home time, read through chapter 24 and 25 and ask God to teach you some things. Okay, this is what it says in verse 4. Jesus answered his disciples, See that no one leads you astray. For many will come in my name, saying that I am the Christ. And they will lead many astray. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars, that you are not to be alarmed. For this must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are but the beginning of the birth pains. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another, and many false Prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. If you're taking notes, write this down. It's not rocket science, because if you read your Bible, you know it's true. Jesus is coming soon. He's coming soon. Jesus is coming soon. So don't get caught napping. Don't get caught napping. In this passage, we can see some things that will point to his return. Well, when's he coming back? Well, soon. Well, he said that a couple of thousand years ago. Yeah, it's more soon now than what it was a couple of thousand years ago. It's still soon, right? Any parents out there? Are we there yet? When? When? Wait, are we there yet? When will we be there? Soon. How long? How long is it now? In the morning, they're not allowed out of their room until seven. Is it seven? When's it seven? Soon. Five minutes. Four minutes. Three minutes. The countdown's on. And so, the avid believer who is in love with Jesus is calling for him to come back. Jesus, I love you. Come back. The spirit and the bride say, come. And the challenge that I find myself in as a believer is I get distracted. Am I the only one? I get, dis I get distracted by the world. I get distracted by needs. I get distracted by my own heart's desires. And Jesus says, hey, be careful. Look at the signs. There are signs. And all the signs point to yes, I'm coming back soon. So we can see politically in this passage. We can see geophysically in this passage. We can see spiritually and morally there is a change. If you look around the world, this is what it says in verses 6 and 7. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars. Wars and rumors of wars. You know, there is so much going on in the world at the moment. We, we tend to live in a bubble in Australia. Let me read some of the things that are happening now. The intensity and the regularity of wars and civil wars and international debacles going on. Territorial disputes in the South China Sea, war in Afghanistan. Tensions in the East China Sea, North Korea crisis, the civil war in Syria, instability in Iraq, the Pakistani 
Islamist militancy is on the rise. Boko Haram in Nigeria issues major conflict between Turkey and the armed Kurdish groups. Criminal violence in Mexico, the Israeli-Palestinian conflict goes on and rages. Civil war in South Sudan, Al-Shabaab in Somalia, violence in the Democratic Republic of the Congo. War in Yemen, destabilization of Mali is still happening. Venezuela, Libya, I mean, it is happening and we're not just talking about things that are, go like people are dying. Hundreds of thousands of people are dying on an ongoing basis and it's just getting worse. And Jesus spoke about this happening. Wars, rumors of wars, politically, geophysically, the earth is moving. There are things that are happening. There are floods on the rise. Earthquakes. We can go and blame climate change and global warming and then it's global cooling and to save ourselves, we'll call it climate change. Yeah, there is some change going on. But earthquakes don't happen because of carbon emissions. The earth is groaning, my friends. It's groaning. Romans teaches us about this. There is something happening. The weather is going nuts. Wildlife, fish, dolphins, they're being just washed up on shorelines. Birds, they say, are falling out of the sky. Uh, where was this in, in the States? I read about recently. They couldn't explain. Birds just dying, not knowing why. Something's going on. And it's happening at a faster rate, at a more intense rate. Jesus talked about this. This is what it says in Luke 21 and 25 and 26. There will be strange signs in the sun, moon, and stars. How many blood moons have there been recently? Is that phenomenal? Here on earth, the nations will be in turmoil, perplexed by the roaring seas and the strange tides. People will be terrified at what they see coming on the earth, for the powers in the heavens will be shaken. And Jesus said this in verse 7, nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, there will be famines. There will be earthquakes in various places. Jesus was the first and only accurate prophet, 100% true. Everything he said would happen without blemish has happened or will happen. So, he predicts a deception spiritually among the nations. Verse 11 Many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. Verse 5, he said it. Many will come in my name, saying that I'm the Christ, and they'll lead many astray. Be careful, Christians, be careful. I'm telling you now, be careful about doctrines that are swirling around the place. Be careful what you click on to listen to. Be careful. It might sound good to you. It might please your ears. It might tickle those ears of yours, but be careful. Jesus warns about this. In the last days, there will be deception spiritually. Can I just, there are things I want to believe, which make me feel better about myself, but are just not true. Jesus says, Josh, son, be careful. This is a sign that the end is nigh. Doctrine will shift. 
In 1 Timothy 4.1, Paul writes, Now the Holy Spirit tells us clearly that in the last time some will turn away from the true faith. They will follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. Listen to that. It's not just from humanistic thinking. Paul writes, there are certain doctrines and teachings that are demonically rooted. Oh, you're over-spiritualizing it. No! Demonically influenced teachings. We've got to be on guard, folks. Young people and old people alike, whether a new believer or a mature believer, we have got to be vigilant with what we expose ourselves to. We've got to go back. God, what are you saying to me through your word? <laughs> We're not going to know what he says if we don't pick it up. Just putting it out there. Second Timothy chapter 4, he says, Paul writes in his next letter to Timothy, a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires, will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and chase after myths. It's a warning. We haven't gone too deep too quick have we great way to spend a Sunday morning with you all verse 12 and 13 Jesus also says because lawlessness will be increased the love of many will grow cold but the one who endures to the end will be saved lawlessness will increase so we have here are some signs that the end is near we see politically we see turmoil we see Rumors of wars and wars itself. We see geophysically a lot of things that are happening. Geophysically, earthquakes, by the way, in the last 30 years have doubled. Earthquakes doubled in 30 years. We see spiritually that there is a deception that will take place. But also, morally, the world's moral compass is down the gurgler. I mean, flick on the news going to the school, the education system, our sense of identity is gone. Sexuality is gone. Gender dysphoria, for example. I mean, the sense of morality, the things that we, 20, 30 years ago, we all agreed as a community, as a nation, well, that, there's no way that that, is, that, 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 that that can be allowed or that that's okay. Now we're celebrating. Hello? So what's, what, what's happened here? Has God changed or have we? And there's a push even in, the, even in God's own family. In God's family there is a push to be discipled by the world and our ears. Following after our own desires, we, 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 we go toward preaching and teaching that makes us feel better about ourselves. We allow that to become part of the basis of our doctrine. That affects our discipleship. And then we wonder why the youth are going haywire. It's because we've allowed it in. So we've got to be vigilant and we cannot abdicate our responsibility to point one another back to Jesus and what the Word of God says. If you start hearing me preach things that are not biblical, I want to hear about it. I'm serious. This is a sign of the end. Jesus predicted this. He predicted this. And in verse 14, this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony then the end will come. 
So all of this conversation, this, this reminder about what's happening, it should provoke us into action. Not just to sit down and go, well, you know, you know, Jesus is coming, kumbaya, my Lord. Let's sing it together, all Maranatha, yes. And let's just sit in our holy huddle and speculate about the nature and the timing of Jesus' return. We don't know exactly. We don't know. Before Jesus came to the earth and was born in Bethlehem, so many Jewish priests missed it. They missed it. They were speculating on how God would come. Many of them, they, they're still missing it. They missed him the first time. They spend so much time worried about the nature and the timing of what God should do that they miss what he's saying in the present. And this is, this is important for us. So what are we, well, when's Jesus coming back? What, is it the year 2012? We all thought it was the year 2012. And then we calculated 2014. Oh, no, we got the stars right. Oh, 2018. That's a pretty special year. Let's go back. Some of you youngsters. The year 2000. Remember that? Oh, no. The, oh, let's go back. Oh, Henry Kissinger. Yes, he's the Antichrist. So, you know, we have all these hypotheses about who the Antichrist is and when Jesus is coming back. Just get on with it. Let the idea, let what we see, let the reality provoke us into action now because while we're just speculating, people are being lost. Okay, I better get nice again. Okay, fine. Is <laughs> what it says in 2 Timothy 3 verse 1 to 5. You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. People will love only themselves and their money. That's no one in this room. Sorry, I'll just keep reading. They will be boastful and proud. That's none in this room. Okay. Scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents. Where are my kids? <laughs> Ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. Hello? They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that. So what do we, what do we say? Don't be naive. Don't be complacent. Jesus is coming back. He's coming back soon, and we've got to be ready. In the next chapter, Matthew chapter 25, Jesus tells a parable of, um, of the ten virgins. Have a read of that, about the oil, and how so very important it is to have oil in our lamps. What is the oil? It is the relationship. It is the anointing. It is, it is the Holy Spirit. And to not fall asleep, to not be unprepared, He's coming back, my friends. He's coming back. This is what it says in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 2 to 4. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying, oh, there is peace and there's security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you are not in darkness, brothers. For that day to surprise you like a thief. He's warning the believers, guys, be ready. If we're always ready, we'll always be ready. 
He says, Paul, in, in the same letter, chapter 4, verse 12 to 18. Brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died. So you won't grieve like people who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life, we also believe that when Jesus returns, not if he returns, when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. We tell you this directly from the Lord. We who are still living when the Lord Jesus returns will not meet him ahead of those who have died. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God. First the Christians who have died will rise from their graves. Then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. So encourage each other with these words. So an undertone to Paul's language when he writes these letters, it was an encouragement because the church was under conflict. They're under duress. A lot of them were losing their lives. They're on the run. And Paul says, hang in there, folks. Jesus is coming back. Come on. Keep your eyes on the prize. Keep your eyes on eternity. That's more important. These momentary afflictions, that's nothing compared to the future glory. What is this suffering anyway? It's a good thing if we are suffering and being likened to Jesus. Suffering is not being able to pay your power bill. I'm sorry. That's not real suffering. Suffering's for the sake of Christ. Suffering is not, oh, I bought a car that I couldn't afford. Now I'm stuck and I can't pay that off. I'm suffering for the Lord. That's not suffering for the Lord. That's stupidity. And so Paul writes to believers and he says, guys, keep your eyes on the prize. Eternity is real. This is temporal. Think on eternal. He's coming back. He's coming back. He's coming back real soon. So what happens if? Jesus doesn't come back. Well, let me tell you something. We're all going to die at some point. Every one of us. Death is 100% certainty. Some of you need to write that down. One day I will die. One day I will die. Death is 100% certainty. So give it the attention it deserves. What do I mean by that? If we know we're going to die at some point, we don't know when, by the way. We all plan for, oh, maybe if I'm 70, 75, 80, maybe I'll live to 90 or even 100. You don't know when your number's up. I've had friends pass on in their 20s, in their 30s, through no fault of their own. You don't know when your number's up. But death is A certainty. Take it to the bank. What does that mean? That means it doesn't matter how much money you've got in your bank. It doesn't matter what your profession is, what your career is. It doesn't matter if you're a policeman. It doesn't matter if you're a teacher. It doesn't matter if you're a lawyer, an engineer, a chip fryer, a a person that lives in a millionaire, a person that lives on the streets. It doesn't matter what your gender is, what your age is. It makes no difference. Have a guess what? You can't escape death. So what does that mean for us? Well, if that's going to happen sooner or later, I, I, I... I'm going to die, what's going to happen after? Why why is so much of my energy and affection and attention thrown into the temporal and the insignificant? How many times does Jesus need to keep pointing us to, hey, store up yourselves treasure in heaven, not now, in heaven. 
And we all know. We all know. I mean, they say the two certainties of life is death and taxes. For some people, tax isn't certainty. But for us all, death is. Some also say that it's the only certainty of life is death. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says, God made everything beautiful in its own time. He has planted, he has planted eternity in the human heart. But even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. So we, we, we live our lives and at some point, and it's usually closer than what you think it is, usually, our shells, our bodies, will collapse, will likely be buried or burned, but our soul will be in one of two places. It'll be with Jesus or far from Jesus. That's what'll happen. This is what it says in Philippians 1.23, so I really don't know what's better, Paul writes. I'm torn between two desires. I long to go and be with Christ to go and be with Christ, which would be far better for me, but for your sakes, it's better that I continue to live. He writes to the Corinthian church in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 8, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, right? I do not believe in soul sleep. I don't believe in that. I don't, I don't believe that when we die, we're going to just sleep in the ground. I don't believe that. And then at a certain point down the future, it's going to... No, when Jesus spoke to the thief on the cross. You remember that conversation? He said, today you will be with me. Today you will be with me in paradise, knowing that he would die. Well, today you'll be with me in paradise. Jesus alluded to that. When Jesus had the conversation with Lazarus, uh, about Lazarus, you know that story where, where the two people had died. One was at Abraham's bosom and one was in a place that was not too good at all. So our souls, once we perish, once we are faced with death, Take it to the bank. You will die one day. Take as many pills as you want to, to, to add an extra month or two or three years or four, whatever. But at some point, you will die. When that happens, you'll be in one of two places. With Jesus, or in a much worse place. Far from Him. Randy Alcorn says, a moment after a man dies, he knows exactly how he should have lived. The absolute certainty of death gives the gospel its urgency. I like that quote. So, we go to one of two places. And at some point after that, we await judgment. At some point, we await judgment. So, every person we will all give an account one day we will all give an account every one of us you will give an account for your life you will give an account for your decisions you will give an account for your choices you will give an account for your attitudes you will give an account one day so live like you believe that live like you believe it what does the judgment look like it looks different. Primarily, for those that know Jesus, for those that don't. 
I'm not going to go into speculating about the timing of that, but at some point there will be a day, it's going to be a really big deal, where every tongue and tribe and nation will be gathered. There will be a lot of people, this is a really big day, huge. Every person that ever existed will be there. It doesn't matter what your faith was, what your age was, what your gender was, one or two or 52 genders, it doesn't matter. But at some point, we will all be there. And Jesus gives an idea for what that would look like. In Matthew chapter 25 and verse 31, it says this. When the Son of Man comes in His glories and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne. Before Him will be gathered all the nations and He will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And He will place the sheep on His right, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Jump down to verse 41. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me. You cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Verse 46. And these will go away into eternal punishment. Eternal. Eternal punishment. But the righteous into eternal life. Hebrews 9 says, Just as it is appointed for man to die, once after that comes judgment. So who's the judge? Jesus is the judge. John, John's Gospel tells us in John chapter 5, that the Father has given authority for the Son to be the judge. Or oh, you can't judge me, I'll let God judge me. For some people, that's not going to be a good thing. So what does that mean? If we are in Christ, let me be clear, if you are saved, if you have given your life to Jesus, then every foul, wicked, evil thing that you have done in your life is paid for on the cross already. There is no condemnation. This is the good news. That the judgment that we receive is different to the judgment that the unbeliever will receive. There will be a separation on this big day of sheep and goats. What, 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 what would make someone a sheep? Knowing the shepherd. If you know Jesus, tick. Well done, good and faithful servant. Well done. Pass marks, full marks, 100% correct. Enter into eternal life. But for those that have rejected Jesus, and can I say this with, with a sense of humility and sobriety? Some, right now, you might, if, if you died today, some of you could be in a lot of trouble. And so we have got to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. Paul writes to the church at Corinth, we see at the end of one of his letters, he says, hey, you need to test and see that you're in the faith. He's talking to Christians. Test and see that you're in the faith. Do you actually know Jesus? Because there will come a time. Matthew, you can read this in Matthew. 
In that day, many will come to me. In that day and say, but Lord, look at all these things that I did. I cast that demons in your name. I prophesied in your name. And what does Jesus say? Go away, I never knew you. I never knew you. So are we saved on the basis of our works? No. We're saved by faith. But the fruit of our faith is works. So our, our deeds, therefore, are not the basis of our salvation, but the evidence of our salvation. If you really are saved, your life will show itself. So if you know Jesus, wonderful. Welcome into heaven. We'll talk about that in a couple of weeks. But there will also come a judgment for us as believers for how we conducted and how we lived our lives. We will be judged according to what we've said and how we've lived. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 10, we must all, all stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in this earthly body. Romans 14 verse 10 to 12, why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or you, why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. Verse 12 says, so then each of us will give an account of himself to God. Revelation twenty-two, twelve. Look, I'm coming soon, bringing my reward with me to repay all people according to their deeds. So there are measures of reward. According to what we have done, for those that are in Christ, this is, my, this is the judgment that I receive as a believer. Tick, welcome into eternal life. But now, let's talk about how you lived. Because how you've lived, what you've said, and your deeds will determine the measure of your reward. There are different degrees of reward. And Jesus is the judge who knows all. He will judge fairly. He will judge rightly. And we will see the justice of God. I'm so glad that he is our judge. Matthew 16, 27. For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father. And then he will repay each person according to what he has done. First Corinthians 3, verse 8, He who plants and he whose waters are one, each will receive his wages according to his labor. So, your future experience and my future experience depends on my decisions today. It's, it's kind of sobering, like... As a believer, is the judgment seat of Christ something to be afraid of? No. But it's something to be concerned by. Some of you, if, you don't, if, you don't, if you're not right with Jesus, you should be afraid. It takes love to say that. But for all of us that do know Jesus, like, it's a good thing, but sobering thing to know, we'll give an account. We'll give an account. And how many times do we have to read in the Scriptures, live in light of that reality? I, I kind of like when I read those things, I think, oh, goodness me, gee, well, I shouldn't have said that, I shouldn't have. And that's okay. Go to God in it and make it right. That's okay. And we have a Father who loves us. So I, I, I look at it like this with my girls. Are my girls my girls? Oh, they certainly are. I love them incredibly. 
There's nothing that they, I think, could do, I could say this now anyway, that, that would cause me <laughs> to not love them. They're my girls. I love them incredibly. I will always love them. But I do have conversations with them about how they've lived, what they've done, what they've spoken. Does my love change? No. But as a father, I lovingly ask for them to give an account sometimes. But I love them immensely. And we have a God who is for us incredibly. He really is. And he says, kids, I love you so much. But just know this, at some stage, whatever I've spoken to you, whatever I've put in your lap, I want to know what you've done about it. In Matthew chapter 25, there is also now the parable of the talents. And Jesus, in the context of final judgment, talks about the, final, the, 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 the parable of the talents. And he gives five to one, two to one, and one to another. Sobering to think that what we do with everything he speaks to us, what he gifts to us, we're to steward well in a revelation of our knowledge of who he actually is. So, if you're taking notes, write this down. Jesus' grace is available today. Take it while you can. It's available today. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of serving God. Today is the day of going to Him. Today is the day that we say, yes, Lord, you know what? I see, I hear, and I will act upon what is right. It's not something to be fearful of but to be mindful of as believers. Because this life is like a mist. That's what the Bible says in James. It's like a mist. It's in Psalms, it says, my days pass by like smoke. Think about that, 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 that idea of smoke. It just, anyone used to smoke cigarettes? And it's there, and then it eventually disappears. And at times I forget. Now, I'm 38. Some days I feel like I'm 58. But I look back, man, where did all that time go? Where did all that time go? <laughs> now, I've I, I got to tip my hat to people like Patrick and Judy Humberstone. They're here today, just back from Livingston. Can we put our hands together for them? Now, I... They're over there for a couple of years, giving of themselves and constant conversations, particularly with Patrick, about, I want to give it my everything. Give it my everything, especially in the latter part of my life. This is in light of eternity. In light of eternity, I don't want to hold anything back. I don't want to keep it all in the tank. I don't just want to live off the fat of the lamb. I want to serve and love and save as many people as I can with every last drop that I have. And so for a younger guy like me, I'm like, man, what pioneers and champions we have that go before us to model that. And that's a great example for us. Paul talks the same language. He says, I, my time's almost done. My, it's like a drink offering. And I wonder if... Um, I wonder if the next phase of eternity is actually closer than we think it is. Maximus Decimus Meridius. 
he has this famous quote. My name is Maximus Decimus Meridius, commander of the armies of the north. This is a gladiator I'm going into now. Some of you guys, I lost you. I lost you. But he says this, what we do in this life will echo for eternity. What a true saying that is. Whatever we do in this life echoes for eternity. What I wanted to do just as we finish now is I just wanted to spend some time just waiting on God for just a couple of minutes and say, Lord, is there an adjustment you want me to bring, you want to bring in me for the way that I think? At times the Lord gives me um, this same picture and this same experience he brings back to my mind. And years ago I went to a, a, um, a chiropractor. You ever been to a chiropractor before? I went to see this chiropractor and I'd never met her before and so she sat me down and then she goes, okay, you're just going to feel a little bit of a click. So I lie down on the table and, and she got my leg over and then she assessed me and then she goes like this. And then, so I got up off the table and I start walking around and I'm walking around like this. I'm like, what's going on? What have you done to me? I was serious. I'm like, this feels weird. She goes, yeah, your hip was out. I'm like, why didn't you tell me this would happen? She says, no, I knew it would happen, but I didn't want to tell you so that you would think after something to happen that maybe does, isn't there. But what's happened is you, you now have better alignment and you're functioning better. And it was true. Have you ever gone for an alignment before from a Cairo? And I walk different. And I believe the Lord at times, he takes me back to that. And he says, I just want to give you a slight realignment. That's what conversations like this do. For some of you, it's not a slight alignment. It's an entire alignment. This is a challenge, a call, an encouragement, a pleading to... To not live just for the here and the now, but living in light of eternity. Because before you know it, you blink and it's gone. And the moment that we pass on into eternity, we'll look back with a different set of eyes and go, whoa. And the decisions we make now affect our experience later. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast from Grace Life Church. For more information about us or any of our services, please visit our website at gracelife.com.au.